Rise and shine for National Biscuit Month with Hardy's Famous Buttermilk Biscuits. Made with love from scratch, fresh all morning. It's not the easy way, but it's the right way. Hardy's goodness in the making. Another edition of the Fantasy Alarm NASCAR DFS podcast. We are streamed through the Better Sports Network. I'm Dan Malin, and I am joined, as always, by the FSWA three-time NASCAR Writer of the Year, Matt. How you doing? Uh, we have Gateway this weekend. It's the second time that the Cup Series has ever run here. Plenty of experience for a lot of these truck drivers. But you know, what are we expecting uh, this weekend after a very eventful and wet weekend in Charlotte last week? <clears throat> yeah, last weekend was a very long weekend, right? Like rain all over the place then the xfinity race got split into two parts with a whole other race running between it which i don't think i've ever seen before um yeah it was it was interesting in the end i thought it was a phenomenal race throughout the entire 600 there wasn't really any boring part to it um and blaney gets off the schneid so you know congrats to him i think that's the third driver to end a 50 plus winless streak this year um, so Stenhouse was at almost 200 races when he wanted yes. Daytona, by the way. Um, this weekend, look, St. Louis Gateway is quickly becoming a favorite track of mine. It puts a lot of stuff in drivers' hands. There was actually passing here last year, despite what we want to believe. Um, and I don't think weather's going to be an issue. So my only concern, and I do have a few for the slate, which I'll, pick your brain about how we should approach certain things like the, but the first thing I'm worried about is that they qualified at roughly like, I think nine to 10 AM local time. Yeah. When it's going to be a different little... track when they race. Yeah. It's going to be scorching hot tomorrow from yeah. a lot of the forecasts that I've seen. And they're going to be racing <laughs> mid afternoon, which is the hottest time of the day, right. uh, especially out here in the Midwest. So yeah, it's going to change some things up. Um, Look, we can't assume, like, you have to take what we saw on the track today, mm -hmm. right? Um, but I am, it is a concern of mine that, like, what we saw on the track isn't going to necessarily match because cars are going to be a little looser. The track is going to race different, right? It's going to have a little less grip. Maybe tires wear a little more. So, who, who knows on that front? Um, well, so but, let me ask you this, so. In last year's race, the, the fastest cars in practice and qualifying pretty much translated to like the top 10, top 15 finishing order for the race. Um, right. Even Eric Jones was up there, I think, last year. Uh, are we expecting relatively like could is should we expect that to play out the same way as well? Because if you look at, you know, I have DraftKings pulled up. I did not get to see practice and qualifying. I've had issues with my cable provider all day. Uh, but I'm seeing a lot of these guys in the 9K range and, and even in the 10K range. Like naturally, they they're priced up for a reason, and they did qualify pretty well, save for Christopher Bell and Kyle Larson. Should we expect a lot of the top 15 to go largely unchanged? And kind of do we kind of just know who's going to be fast here based on practice and qualifying? I would say we would we could see some shuffling. I think some guys who had <clears throat> bad qualifying runs ran better 
in practice than yep. qualifying is giving him credit for. Like, for example, Alex Bowman starting 18th, he was a top five car. The longer he stayed on the track, the car got faster. Um, Larson never seemed to have the right setup, so I'm a little intrigued as to what we're going to do with him. Qualified outside the top 20. That was That's very weird for him. Yeah, he also went out for a run in practice and then didn't like the feel of his car and brought it back in. And by the time they got it back out on track, like half of practice had gone after he made adjustments. So it's one of those things where if you miss a lot on the setup, you're not going to get a whole lot of track time. Uh, Kislowski gets an extra right tire because there was a defect in one of his that basically blew off the car in seven laps. Uh, that was not a car issue. It was not a tire pressure issue. It was a defective tire. So I, I don't think we're going to see very many of those. Just tossing that out there. Um, All right. So Gateway is about a 1.2, 1.25 mile flat track. Uh, it's shaped yeah. similar to Darlington, but it's much flatter. It doesn't have the banking or the the extremely high tire wear that Darlington has. But if I correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that NASCAR is running a different aero package in this year's race. Like they're running the intermediate package. I think they were in the short track package last year, right? Correct. They're in the intermediate package this year, which is fantastic because all of the passing we've seen this year has happened in the intermediate package. The yeah. short track package has been not good. Um, but they are bringing the same tire combination as we've seen on at Phoenix and Richmond and New Hampshire and here last year. Uh, to give you an idea of what NASCAR is comping this to, it's basically Richmond and Phoenix and New Hampshire. Uh, you can toss a little bit of Martinsville in, not, not a ton. Um, you can kind of look a little bit at road courses because it's a rhythm setup here. So guys that can get in a rhythm and hit their braking spots and you know keep doing the same line after line after line on the per lap can make up ground here but again the main comps are uh phoenix richmond and new hampshire all right uh what kind of based on how practice and qualifying shook out and because this is still a relatively new track for the cup series um just running for the second year in the new next gen car would you, are you okay playing cash games or is this a gpp only slate for you i'm okay playing cash games i think there's some pd spots available there's a few chalkier plays based on pricing and who's in what cars and um how they did in qualifying and whatnot um so there's a little bit of chalk out there you could see the guys starting up front just run away and hide a little bit at the beginning of the race um but we'll see because again the weather may change up how the track is so you might see some guys who start up front drift back and then come back to the pack once it starts to cool down a little bit or they make adjustments on the car. Um, but yeah, I'd be fine with, you know, I'm still doing mostly GPPs, but I'm fine with getting some cash game builds uh, put together. I think I'm, I've had, I've gone back and forth on how I feel about this race. Um, mostly because the new package is a little bit concerning. The The fact that they're going to be racing with a lot more heat than what they qualified on. I've personally had my issues getting a read on, on just how to approach it. And, you know, I'm normally a guy that likes to do four uh, or 20 lineups in the $4 Chrome Horn. I don't even know if I'm going to do that. I might still do 20 lineups, but throw them in the happy hour since that's just a $1 uh, per entry contest. Uh, so for me, you seem a little more confident in your read on the race. Um 
But one question I do have is that, you know, I know for a, a track like this where we're going to get over 200 laps, what is this, 240 laps total? 243, roughly? I believe, is is the uh, lap count for 300. Okay. Miles. So my, my next question is, last year's race, we saw six different drivers lead 20 laps. Uh, do you think it's likely or possible that we see that again or should we see something along more of the norm of you know a 1a dominator a 1b dominator and maybe a couple other guys that you know collect dominator points along the way no i think we'll see multiple guys lead um chunks of laps here uh, a couple reasons one we've already seen that happen multiple times in the intermediate package this year right not to comp it to charlotte because charlotte had 400 laps but it took forever to get somebody over 100 laps led in that race right we had a bunch of comers and covers um even at, at places like phoenix and richmond yeah sure we had one guy over 100 but we had another you know three or four guys cracking the 20 25 lap lead um barriers at at those tracks so I would say early on, we might see one guy lead a good chunk of the first stage, but then after that, and people get adjusted to the track and get all their adjustments in, we're really going to see some, some uh, racy situations in the second and third stage. So if you want early laps led, the guys starting out front are probably your best bet, whether they hold on to that throughout the whole lead or the whole race. Uh, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm, Look, Kyle Busch ran the fastest qualifying lap out there, right? He was he put it in the 32 sevens, I think is what he what he ran. It was Oh, for his qualifying lap, I thought it yeah. was like I thought it was sub 30. Maybe I'm wrong. 30. It was whatever yeah. the it was in the sevens. Whatever everybody else was, he was like a tenth of a second faster. Yeah. Um but so he he may run out and hide a little bit at the first stage. But I would suspect that the field will come back to him. I don't think he's going to go and lead 150-something plus laps tomorrow. Would you be okay playing him in cash games just because we can assume he's going to get those early dominator points? I would say so. I mean, look, the eight car was was pretty reasonably quick here last year as well. Obviously, different driver. Kyle Busch is more skilled than Tyler Reddick at this point, so... Um, if you're putting not to mention together. Bush last year, granted he was with JGR, but he led 66 laps, had 46 right. fastest laps, and finished second, right? So it's not like he <clears throat> had a schlubby day, he was like battling it out with Logano in that whole third stage last year for some excellent racing. Um, so yeah, I would assume that Kyle Bush would be playable in cash. I don't think look, he's under 10 grand on DK, so. Yeah. Getting a pole sitter on a relatively short track under ten grand is basically a gift. Now let's talk about uh, Team Penske real quick. Um, pretty much in this package uh, all year long, they were brutal, and the weather conditions did help them last week. Uh, Austin Cindric, before I think I'm pretty sure he got caught in a wreck at Charlotte. Before he wrecked, he was having a really good run. He was top fifteen, uh, but mostly a top twenty car. Uh, Joey Logano was up in the top five at times, but then he kind of drifted back. But ultimately, it was the Ryan Blaney show at Charlotte. And all three of those drivers, uh, Blaney qualified P2, Logano was P6, Cindric, I believe, is P10. Uh, 
yes, he is he qualified P10. Do we expect them, I guess, to carry over the success from last week, or do we see them kind of come back down to reality uh, and maybe be some drivers that could just blow up if we decide to maybe take advantage of what they showed last week? Well, so that's that's the interesting part about this track, right? It's the intermediate package, which we've known that the Fords have struggled in the intermediate package due to Arrow and whatever this year at the bigger tracks. But this is a kind of track where the Arrow doesn't necessarily matter quite as much because it races more like a short track. It's flat. It's one and a quarter miles, so it's you know shorter than Darlington. It's a little longer than New Hampshire. It's a little longer than Phoenix, and we saw what the Fords did at Phoenix, right? Let's not forget that Logano won this race last year. Um, so I I think they're in a good I think they're in a good spot because they're at a track where it's a package that fits their drivers' driving styles, but they're not uh, handicapped by the arrow that's on that package. If that makes if that makes sense, so no, it does. Um, I think they've got a boost from, you know, doing so well at Charlotte. And Logano certainly has confidence because he won this race here last year. Yeah, he's always been kind of the king of that guy that can go out and win on a track for the very first time. Uh, one team that pretty much everybody expects to be fast and be really good uh, here this week is, is going to be Joe Gibbs Racing. They have really kind of closed the gap and, if anything, surpassed uh, – Hendrick Motorsports in general as a team in terms of just, you know, showing up, having speed every week, qualifying well, running well, and, and, and finishing well as well. Um, and Denny Hamlin and Martin Truex Jr. are both over $10,000 on DraftKings. They are starting uh, P3 and P5, respectively. Christopher Bell is actually the most expensive driver of the threes, 10-7 on DraftKings, but he is starting P17. And way down the list at 7,800, he's discounted this week. We do have Ty Gibbs starting P15. I'm just kind of expecting all these cars to be fast this week. And, and I was actually overweight on Ty Gibbs last week. I was really bummed out that he didn't finish, uh, didn't like finish with the speed that he had. Uh, Cause I know he was caught in a wreck. I mean, I thought that was like a, easily a top 10 car, potentially top five. Um, plenty of faith in Joe Gibbs racing this week, assuming that all of them should show up. Yeah. Uh, look, Denny had the best long run car uh, in practice. Um, he's also got the mojo of thriving off the hate from Chase Elliott fans. Um, <laughs> he seems to thrive off of, uh, when people really dislike him. Uh, thanks by the way, for uh, ruining his own bracket, uh, by calling for Chase Elliott to be out for one of the key races in his bracket. Um, but yeah, I mean, Ty Gibbs has just been Mr. Consistent over the last several races here. He's just kept his head down. Not gotten involved in any of the shenanigans we saw in the Xfinity series from him last year. Um, Christopher Bell has, I mean, there's not a bad word you could say about that guy other than he hasn't won more than he, than he Probably had, should. Right. Um, and Truex is always in play at the shorter, flatter tracks. Like they, they should be good. Toyota's as a whole should be good here. This is a track that fits what they typically do well that goes for 2311 as well. We've seen Bubba. If you include the all-star race, he's got four straight top fives uh, going. Redick is starting to put it in, like, I, I don't know what to make of Redick at this point, basically. Like, 
he did well in the Cox 600, right? Uh, and, and Bubba both finished top five. But he seems to be like I can't tell if he's putting it together or this is just another flash of him putting it together before it comes back down to earth a little bit again. I I don't know. He's been tricky this year. I mean, if he's not going to put it together this week, we can probably assume he'll put it together next week since he is kind of become the road course king in the Cup Series. I mean, yeah, right? Like, the <laughs> Sonoma's right up his alley. Yeah. Um, all right, so in this low 10K range, upper 9K range, I know we've talked about some of these guys already, Martin Church Jr., Ryan Blaney, and Kyle Busch specifically. Uh, but below them, we do have Ross Chestain, 9,600. I would like to talk about him just because ever since – he was called out by basically Rick Hendrick for driving too aggressively. He's he sucked. <laughs> yeah, he hasn't been very good. He was awful at North Wilkesboro. Yeah. I mean, granted, he finished eleventh, but uh, I thought he would be better. And then last week, uh, started fourteenth. I was very heavy on him uh, in my Chrome Warren lineups, and he never he really like was not he a racing? single dominator. Yeah, it was like he was always running just outside the top twenty. Didn't have a single dominator point. Yeah. And for 10,100, that was an incredibly disappointing performance. Um, but we do have, like, you know, Blaney, Bush, Chastain, Logano, Reddick, Harvick. Aside from Blaney and Bush, we've talked about, you know, so we're talking Chastain, Logano, Reddick, Harvick. Who do you expect to, I guess, be the dark horse contender to maybe dominate and, or at least get some laps led? Harvick. Yeah. Yeah, I really – I don't know why people are still down on Harvick. Like, everything that touches the Ford camp or SHR never affects Kevin Harvick. Like, he just keeps showing up. And he's been sneaky fast for a while now. He may not have all of the uh, results that would lead you to believe that, but if you actually watched it or you look at green flag speed or whatever – they're pretty quick. He's pretty quick again. He ran decently well here last year before he had uh, an issue late in the race and was actually credited with like a 34th place finish or something. But he was running better than that before he wrecked out. I think there was a tire issue. Um, so, yeah, I I think Kevin Harvick is the dark horse. I mean, people are going to look at Reddick, go, well, he ran well last year here. The 45 car that he's in finished third here last year. Uh, Chastain was great until he got double teamed by Hamlin and Chase Elliott all over the place in the second half of the race here last year. <laughs> when yeah. Hamlin chased him all the way down to the, to the infield grass and then slowed him way down in turn one. Um, Logano won, so it's not like we – like I don't think he really counts as a dark horse <laughs> at this point. So – I'm going to go with Harvick. I I just think the guy, look, he's got seven top tens this year, which puts him in the top, you know, few people with that. And, again, it's under the radar. Like, does anybody realize that the guy's finished top ten that many times? Right. Uh, below them in this mid-8K range, and as we descend into the value range, uh, we are starting to find uh, some PD options, place differential. Uh, Alex Bowman is 8,600 still seems a little too cheap just given, you know, yeah. what we saw and, and, you know, Blake Harris has just been a phenomenal addition to that team and organization. Bubba Wallace on the backs of four straight top five finishes is only 8,400 starting P20. You got Brad Kislowski and Chris Busher in this range as well. And RFK is finding speed as I already mentioned my uh, love for Ty Gibbs this week. Uh, but then we get 
Corey LaJoy, who is 7,400, uh, starting P30, and he is in, in the nine car for Chase Elliott this week. And, and this is something that I was very excited to hear about just for him personally because I know he's wanted an opportunity in great equipment. And, and sure, this is only going to be like a, a one-race deal, but it is an opportunity for him to drive really solid equipment. I wish it came on a track that he probably had more familiarity with. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, this is the best equipment he's ever had, 7,400, and he's starting P30. I mean, you and I discussed before the podcast started, he really only needs to finish 18th uh, to hit that 5X value on DraftKings. But, you know, what are you doing in this range this week? You know, who might be your favorite play, and what are you doing specifically with Corey LaJoy? Because I've already said, you know, if he's going to be chalk at this price and starting where he is in that car, I'd rather just be underweight and hope that, you know, he doesn't reach that ceiling. Yeah, uh, my favorite play in this range is Alex Bowman. I, I love me some Bowman this week uh, in the Grover's Grill short that's coming out with me and Ed Rouse. Uh, I took Alex Bowman top 10 uh, finish prop in that one. It was going off at even money at BetMGM, which, you know, anytime, <laughs> anytime you're getting positive odds is a good thing. Uh, he's finished like ninth, eighth, and 11th at the, at the uh, you know, shorter tracks. This year, he look. I had concerns about his back heading into last week. Right. No concerns now. That he and his car held up very, very well over the entire 600 miles. It was a strong showing from him. Um, Plus, this one's only 300 miles. It's literally half the distance of last exactly. Week. And he ran well here last year. Um, so yeah, I don't really understand why he's 8600. Not to mention, he may be the least owned Hendrick driver this week yeah you're probably right <laughs> byron and, and larson get owned more because they're byron and larson right because right? you got larson starting 20th so now he's got pd and if he makes it to the front he could always lead laps uh byron is starting seventh which is where logano started last year when he won the thing and he's been really good at these shorter flatter tracks Right, even though he wasn't that great here last year, he did get faster in practice when he realized he was running a different line than everybody else. Right, and LaJoy, I think everybody's taking LaJoy because he doesn't cost you basically anything. You're getting yeah. the nine car for essentially free, and all he's got to do is move up and finish basically at his average finish for this year, which is 19.1, and he hits value. Yeah, so I think Bowman might be the least owned Hendrick driver on the slate this week, which is weird to say. Um, Busher, I really quite like, I still don't get why Briscoe's like all the odds love Briscoe this week and I can't figure it out. Now he's priced above a guy who's got, who's been running better than him all year. Um, and his crew chief is suspended and his crew chief is suspended. He like, as PJ Walsh said, it's going to take him five years at this pace to make up the hundred and twenty. Yeah, I saw that. That's absolutely wild. Um, yeah, Mike Joyce said basically if he wins this year and finishes, you know, and qualifies for the playoffs, he would then have to win every single round to advance because he doesn't have the playoff points to make up for it. Yeah, he's not um, doing that. And by the way, even when they were cheating, they were still only beating BJ McLeod by three spots. <laughs> So, like, I don't understand why Bubba is longer odds for a top five and to win than Briscoe is in the books. I, I don't know. So, I am not playing Briscoe. Sorry. 
If it bites me, it bites me. I have zero. I had zero faith in him before, and now I have even less. How many times has not playing Chase Briscoe really bit you in DFS, though? Maybe Phoenix um, last year. I mean, maybe Phoenix last year. That's about. <laughs> that's about it. It's like the Cole Custer Kentucky race, right? Like right. that was the only time. Um, I don't know what to do with Lejoy. I think he's going to be really highly owned in cash. You might be suckered into having to play him. Oh, I think in cash games, yeah, you can easily lock him in. Like, that's just going to be an ownership play because he'll probably be – Right, because if he doesn't do anything – Then he's hurting everybody in the field, and who cares? Then he's hurting everybody in the field, so you don't lose anything. And if he does go off and you don't have him, you can't make it up. Sure. So that's the downside there. My Um, gut is telling me not to play Amarola, but my head is telling me he ran well here. This is his style of track. And SHR has to flip the news cycle to have a good day. Yeah. I I forget, I, I forget who it was, though. But uh, I think it was Greg Mathern on Twitter. He retweeted somebody who had a chart of the practice speeds and, and all that stuff. Yeah. And highlighted in blue was pretty much every driver that had the better track conditions. Right. And then the drivers that were not highlighted, Eric Almarola was actually the best of the drivers that had the worst track conditions. And Correct. he was actually he was like top 10. Yeah. Yeah. He was top 10 in like five, 10, 15 lap metrics. And so, and he's good on flat tracks historically. He ran eight here last year. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know. Um, Priest, I kind of like, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, you're, especially in comparison to Elmerola, like you're getting more PD and you're, and you're in general just getting the discount. Um, I am kind of curious. Great. Or two straight, if you actually count races, he has two straight top 15s and three top 17s in the last four races, Priest does. Not bad. Um, it is worth mentioning that Todd Gilliland at 5,600. Uh, sorry if I'm appearing, sounding like I'm rushing. It's just a, we only have a few minutes left. But Gilliland is back in the 38 car, 5,600 starting P28. I just assume he's going to be the popular value option uh, for tournaments and cash games. Probably. Probably. I mean, you yeah. could toss Justin Haley in there. You could toss Michael McDowell in there. Um, I'm so hesitant to play McDowell, though, because he just hasn't been as good. It's been a pretty rough stretch for McDowell. He ran well in practice, though. I do have to give him that. Um, but it has been it has been a rough stretch for him. Um, um, what are you doing with Carson Hosmer, who was in the seven car for Corey LaJoy this week? I'm not playing him. No, he's got more more experience on this track than everybody in the field. Yeah, but he's racing a cup car for the first time. And he just, like, I saw his practice interview, and he looked like a kid that was just happy to be there. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah that six-foot-four uh, happy child. But my my thing is, is, like, I'm always, con- like, not sure what to do when we get, you know, first-timers in the next-gen car because, you know, Zane Smith, I think, had the same – deal here last year and uh if i recall i think he was top 15 i don't think he was top 10 though yeah that's true but ben Rhodes, on the other hand wrecked aj omendinger's car in practice and was never allowed in the garage again so (laughs) (laughs) no omendinger took that car from 35th to 10th without having practiced it or ever been at the track um i don't know i mean i guess out of the group that's like Gilliland and Hosovar are certainly the the top two guys that are appealing 
under the 57 price tag, but like now we're talking dumpster diving because obviously McLeod. Oh, I could throw out JJ Yaley. He did have a good race last week. I got to give you that. He hasn't been all that bad. Uh, I think it was Kansas. He even finished 23rd and he started 35th. And like that was. 31 fantasy points and like he's still under five five thousand dollars and i mean he picked up you know short 600 last week yeah and you always have to count like when we preview or predict or try to analyze the coke 600 is that like you know you can just be an abs in the worst equipment and you're like there will be good cars that wreck out and you just have to survive and finish you can finish multiple laps down and still be optimal um but do you have any final thoughts before we wrap it up we've got a couple minutes left um no, I mean, I'm excited about this race. I do think that it's going to race differently this year than it did last year, so I wouldn't take last year's race too terribly heavily. Like, I know we said Logano won it, and, you know, these guys finished there, which is true, but, like, am I playing – am I locking in Logano because he won last year? No. He's still tough to read. He still had so-so year this year on the short tracks. Yes, it's a different package, but – um you know, when it when I do the playbook, I will reference the similar tracks and their histories there, which is New Hampshire, Phoenix, and Richmond. Um, you know, Cody Zeeb and I on the NASCAR Gambling Podcast talked about this earlier in the week. You can go listen to that, too. Um, so, yeah, that I mean... I would, I would build for a couple of different... Either one guy's going to lead a bunch of laps, or they're going to split them. <clears throat> Either you're gonna have a. Bunch I would of probably lean on the side that it would just be split because we just like we just still haven't seen. And granted, even though Ryan Blaney was the most dominant car, and if there were half as many cautions as there were last week, he probably leads a lot more laps. Um, right. The issue is that William Byron was r- winning the race off pit road, and he was just getting cheap laps led just under caution. Um, yep. But that could have been an even more dominant performance from Blaney. Correct. Um, all right. Well, Matt, thank you so much for your time. Uh, best of luck to you this week. We will be on the lookout for the NASCAR DFS playbook on fantasyalarm.com. So best of luck to you and best of luck to the FA Nation. Best of luck, FA Nation. Hardy's two for $5 breakfast bake goodness into your morning. Choose a biscuit with sausage and egg, biscuit and gravy, or French toast dips. Any two, just $5. Hardy's goodness in the making. These items only. Price and participation may vary. Tax not included.